0: Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Jim Gould and Ada Wong is your guest presenter. Good morning, Ada.
1: Good morning, Jim.
0: On today's programme, we're talking about uh, the extensive northern metropolis development plans uh, with new details emerging. The chief executive, John Lee, explained in his policy address last week that the uh, new town would be divided into four zones covering logistics, innovation and technology, boundary commerce and environmental and water-based recreation, land and water-based recreation. At a news uh, conference yesterday, the Development Secretary, Bernadette Lynn, said that while studies were ongoing, the administration hoped to begin land resumption procedures by 2027, with 40% of flats to be constructed by 2032. Described as the new engine of Hong Kong's development, the northern metropolis is expected to create 500,000 new jobs and provide the same number of housing units and boost Hong Kong's integration with the Greater Bay Area. How are the plans likely to unfold? What about the financing? And are there adequate measures to protect biodiversity in the area? After 9.45, we'll talk about an upcoming round-the-island swimming race to raise funds for an ongoing initiative teaching local young people and domestic helpers to swim. Join the conversation and let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233 266. Joining us now on the line, we have uh, Andy Kwan, who's Director at the ACE Centre for Business and Economic uh, Research. Uh, We also hope to be joined uh, soon by uh, Whitman Hung, who's Director at the Greater Bay Area Research Centre. Andy Kwan, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, So uh, we've been talking about this uh, project for the last uh, two years or so. More details are emerging. It's obviously going to be a a very major factor in our uh, economy and uh, industry uh, going forward over the next uh, years and decades. Um, How do you see the northern metropolis uh, aligning with uh, other projects that are going on across the border in Shenzhen, uh, in in the uh, Greater Bay Area?
2: Well, we certainly have many projects going on here. But uh, in terms of the northern uh, metropolis, uh, this project is a very long-term project, but it will benefit the uh, the the long-run growth of the economy. But the main concern right now is the how much money we have to pay for this mega project. The earliest estimate I get is about $1.5 trillion. Of course, uh, the uh, the Secretary for Development Bureau didn't mention any like the uh, recent estimate regarding this project. So it's hard to know whether like it's, uh, it's more than that or lower than that, but uh, she did mention many things regarding uh, the financial, uh, the financing, uh, the finance options uh, in terms of land uh, exchange or, or also land sales. But how much uh, this um, methods can lower the cost, I don't know. That mm-hmm. remains to be seen. But there's a difficult endeavor indeed.
0: Yeah, you say you say it comes with a price tag of one point five trillion dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: That's, I get it from the earliest estimate, but Mm -hmm. that's a very rough estimate. It's a Mm -hmm. rough guess because we, we talk about like a uh, 20 year project and a very uh, huge size of land. So Mm -hmm. the development um, consists of like um, planning, uh, building, uh, building infrastructures, all kinds of uh, costs involved in that, uh, in that project. So uh, the estimate I get is about many years ago, like three, four years ago it' about mm. it was about like one point five trillion dollars but it, that 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 is a rough estimate, but uh, certainly it will be uh, a lot of money to put in this project.
1: Mm. right. um the recent announcement said that um the new town will be divided into four zones, uh, but previously mm. um it was not four zones. Uh, do you see any difference um in the planning now?
2: Well, it's more detailed. Uh, the layout is more detailed. It has more vision. But, uh, sometimes, uh, when we talk about this kind of like a mega project, um, it's really hard to foresee, uh, the final outcome. But, uh, certainly it takes, uh, like, uh, a long time to prepare this project. And, uh, it is divided in four songs. And, uh, I think, uh, it's very detailed regarding the, uh, the, the, the planning, uh, in this respect. But I, uh, but, it's hard to tell whether, like, uh, eventually whether we have a zones Eventually, but because like uh, the global uh, the, the global economy is very is changing rapidly, so we have to basically um, try to adjust to the global environment. But in terms of integration, uh, I think is uh, very concrete in that respect. And in terms of the long term uh, development of, uh, regarding the economy, I think is uh, quite uh, quite clear. But in terms of uh, financing options. Uh, we don't know
0: much about that. Okay. Well, just on that uh, issue, we're joined uh, now in the studio by uh, Whitman Hung, who's uh, director of the Greater Bay Area Research Center at the China Silk Road I Valley Research Institute. Uh, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So, um, uh, Andy Kwan, there, the director of the ACE Center for Business and Economic Research. Uh, Andy was. Uh, Making the point that um, uh, this is going to be a very uh, expensive mega project, and uh, there was some sort of uh, uncertainty about the financing. I mean, w- w- one of the measures is the, the chief executive's setting up a new office to be headed by the CE to look into, sorry, sorry to, to be headed by the financial secretary to look into the uh, financing of mega, mega projects like this. Uh, what, are you, what are your sort of views on that? Uh, I, I think that's actually
3: a very good move. Uh, this is one of those things uh, we have suggested. To the Government, uh, the government should not be the sole financing source for this kind of development. Uh, there will be returns, so people will be interested, not only local but also you know outside of Hong Kong. Um, if you look at the northern metropolis i mean a lot of them, well, obviously, I think I'm not sure that if there's any private investor you would be interested in developing government housing estate. But if you're talking about the science parks, we're talking about um, those kind of um, development for technology, you know, industrial kind of development that would be people interested, uh, not only on the uh, like pure financial investors, but also some of those, um, you know, large technology companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may be interested. So uh, another thing that I think that it's important, uh, I, I saw some of the <laughs> next question about this land resumption thing. I'm, I'm not sure we should do, um, we should resum all the lands and then develop by the government itself. You know, some of these things, when the government had planned, if the plan is there, they should, um, you know, Negotiate and talk and discuss with the land on the land title owners these mm. days, and maybe they would be interested to be part of the developer as well. Mm. So I, I, I'm glad to see that this new office by efforts FS to actually, you know, uh, evaluate and explore the new ways of financing, mm. and that's happening in you know, a lot of other places. Mm.
1: Mm. Right. right, so uh, Whitman, on, on that point, um, now that there are four zones and um, the uh, landowners might be um, allowed to um, keep their land uh, and then um, uh, paying, you know, paying a premium uh, for, for the government um, and then they are able to develop it, but according to the master plan uh, set, exactly. set up by, by the government. So uh, in actual fact, um, then you know, the, um, the land parcels might be a bit smaller because let's say developer A has um, you know this plot and developer B and so um, you know it might look a bit smaller.
3: Uh, it might, but then when you have a plan, you have say okay, well if you want to de- develop this, for example, uh, this plot of land, you need to develop it in whole, and mm-hmm. the purpose is this, this, and this. So either the landowners they have to cooperate themselves, or they sell to each other, or you know, or the government can you know uh, be involved. So there are multiple ways of doing these things. Uh, And and, and we have seen, um, you know, um, landowners collaborating with each other in previous development everywhere in Hong Kong. So I don't think that's too difficult.
1: Mm. You think this is something new, Uh, you know, this sort of land exchange so that uh, the developers can come up with the uh, capital up front?
3: It's not 100% new. Mm. But, um, of course, on a size like this, and also this is... Uh, more of an industrial and technology development, uh, you know, land use. But even in the past, when it's commercial, it's quite common. We've seen that. So uh, just try to apply that, um, doing the same, but except this time, make it sure. um, You know, another thing, which I think the government also had uh, announced that they will do is, you know, instead of saying, building a science park and try to rent it out, they may rent out a whole piece of land or even sell it and then let the whoever is gonna use it build their own, you know, park or their own campus. Because if you look at some of these technology companies, they ha- they have to need to be purposely built campus for those kind of manufacturings like biotech or you know, uh, semiconductors. So instead of government building another science park like what they have in Tai po, um you know, you'd rather just rent a large piece of land, but you need to rent it now for a longer period of time. If it's only like 20 years, it's probably not enough for those people to actually invest. So the incentive for the investor is, you know, obviously the financial return, but also how long the land can be used.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you think, uh, Andy, about those uh, those options that uh, Whitman Hung was talking about?
2: Uh, Regarding the financing Mm -hmm. option, Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not new. Definitely, it's not new. Uh, the land exchange program. The but I think it's uh, one of the ways to raise money, and uh, it's uh, one of the ways to have the joint development by the government or uh, and the private sector or the private sector by them by itself. So it's a good way to lower the cost. And another uh, thing is uh, the the government can sell uh, can sell land to the private sector. But it really depends on the demand there. But regarding the uh, four songs here, I can see a lot of like um, a good investment opportunities in terms of like um, say we focus on the technological innovation that part that the belt there. Because uh, think about we need data center. We need some kind of uh, biotech companies to move in and uh, that requires a lot of land. If we try to move the economy uh, into a very uh high tech economy and in terms of high tech surface economy. So definitely we need those kind of like uh a piece of big like land for that purpose. Mm-hmm. And regarding logistics and all kinds of like business uh purposes, that is standard, quite standard. But I think the one uh innovation here is uh, is the, the tourism, that that kind of area, the green tourism. And uh if we wa- we if we want to support the, the development of the tourism here. Uh, tourist industry here but we definitely we need some kind of new idea i think it's a good way could uh get high start and try to achieve certain like um uh try to generate uh generate certain uh, momentum for the tourism uh, toward, for the tourist industry in that respect i can see the novel is there and uh but uh, in terms of development is still too far too uh, too too early to put any uh, concrete uh, conclusion here but Definitely, we need some head start and we need uh, many uh, ways to find uh, money to fund the project. Because as now, if you talk about this mega project along with the land out tomorrow, we're talking about more than $2 trillion here. And uh, given the current situation, the fiscal um, deficit we have for the past few years in terms of the fiscal reserve we have, we definitely have to be very careful with the way we spend money here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's still uh, on the cards, isn't it, uh, uh, <coughs> Whitman Hung, uh, uh, that mention there of the, the Gao Yichao uh, artificial islands uh, going to be an o- another major development to run sort of in parallel with well, the northern Atrop- metropolis. I, yeah.
3: I, I'm not sure. And I, I, If you read the policy uh, speech, uh, it talks about Gao Yichao, but didn't talk about until tomorrow anymore. Yeah. That's, a, that's actually different. That's a subtle difference. If you look at the, the original the Gao name Yizhou, changed. Yeah. No, no. But it's so it's actually So you're saying 2%. that the scale
1: might be reduced.
3: That's what I yeah. suspect. Mm-hmm. i no, I don't have any first yeah. information. But if you read it, the Gao Yizhou original plan was just you know a small piece of land. Well, the land town tomorrow was a much bigger plan. So mm-hmm. you know I don't know.
2: The Gao Yizhou, the Gao is uh, they estimate about five five hundred seventy billion dollars. I uh, maybe I' mixed up with the name that they they got they just put the new name in on top of their old old name, but of course, the scale of the project is uh, much uh, a little bit smaller but in terms of estimate, I think the government gave up estimates about five hundred and seventy billion dollars mm-hmm.
0: okay well you, you mentioned a uh, land area though Andy Kwan. i mean the uh, uh the northern metropolis so uh, talking about uh, thirty thousand hectares i mean um um Surely that's going to be enough space for for new industries and uh, and biotech and so on.
2: Oh yeah yeah yeah. I think it's a it's a new for the, for developing a new industry. We need land, it's particularly mm. in terms of like uh, technological uh, te- high tech companies. I think about the uh, Silicon Valley and uh, those are uh, high tech giants. Okay, and uh, those companies are there and. Uh, when we talk about the, the the latest development in terms of the uh, the cloud, in terms of all the a, uh, AI stuff, uh, we need land. We need data center for sure. We need uh, uh land to absorb uh, those uh, big companies, the uh, high-tech companies. Okay. So in this case, uh, the, I think it's a uh, we are heading to the right direction, because uh, I'm a little concerned with the cost only. And in terms of uh, others uh, like uh, developments, still they're okay but I'm particularly interested in uh the green uh the green tourism so that kind of ecological uh area that would be uh that would be a, that would be fun to watch and how we mm. can develop such an area
0: mm-hmm. yeah what do, what, what, what do you think Whitman that uh, that green tourism area that's around the sort of a, uh that's sort of on the uh, east side yes, isn't yes.
3: It? Uh, yeah I think uh, I mean I like it but well, a it's not going to be a, a very economical returning kind of thing, which is okay. Um, another thing is the, um, actually logistic-wise, um, it's very hard to travel those places. Mm. And there's still restrictions zones and things like that. I've been there f- uh, three times, actually, mm. recently. Um, it's nice. Uh, and then the thing is, if you want to turn that into a tourism stop, you're also talking about attracting outside tourists, right? Not just local tourists. And today, um, there's just no border crossing there. I mean, except the old which is not a formal, you know, checkpoint. Uh, But that
1: might be, um, you know, relaxed. Uh, I heard that that 2024, um, it might not be restricted. You can apply for a permit. Um, uh, as a tourist,
3: It's well, I know it's a pain. <laughs> I tried <laughs> last time with. Uh, with diff- it's a tribute, but, but
1: on green tourism, um, um, Andy Kwan, um, it, it's yeah. it's actually um, controversial in the sense that if you develop it, you you know you want more tourists there, and then there'll be more hikers, mm-hmm. there'll be more <laughs> rubbish, there'll be more uh, small mm-hmm. restaurants, mm-hmm. Um, there'll be more shops, mm-hmm. and and then you know. Mm-hmm. Um, is that still ecotourism or green tourism for you? Uh, uh,
2: depends on how you regulate, how you do it, how you plan it, and uh, that's always a trade-off, right? But uh, if you want to visit the uh, north zone, uh, north, uh, north pole, then uh, we anticipate more people there, more rubbish there. But depends on how you uh, guide and how you plan it. I think it does a trade-off. But in terms of the tourism, as it is now, we have now we are heading nowhere. So, we need to have certain, like, uh, new elements in tourism. I think it's a good head start. And you go, if you go abroad, you look at the, uh, uh, countries like, uh, Canada and, you know, the, the States, they have certain natural, uh, areas you can look at, like Rocky Mountain, that kind of stuff, okay, in Kong. And in, in Hong Kong, it's so, we have nothing, basically. <laughs> so we got to have a certain start to try oh, to. We really have really great uh, mountains that in that
1: northeastern uh,
2: area. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, that's true, but not as, as great as the, those who are like rocky mountains <laughs> to me. Okay. But it's a good, good. Okay. Good, uh, good, uh, good walking area and a good, uh, good site, uh, good scenery there. But I think we need to have more pristine air, more pristine areas, more pristine tourist, uh, tourism. And uh, in that respect, I think we gotta develop certain uh, green uh, tourism there, and it will attract um, uh, foreign uh, tourists for sure. Just like the foreign tourists like to go to mainland to look at Diaoyu and look at like uh, many famous places, right? So we need to have certain uh, pristine elements in our tourism. I think it's a good way. To, to, to move, but at the same time, we have to be careful regarding the environment. We have to regulate. We have to put good regulations, good uh, good uh, monitor to look at the, the entire development in terms of the green tourism.
0: Okay, so uh, just a quick notice here from the Transport Department. Uh, Owing to a traffic accident, uh, the fast lane of the Island Eastern Corridor, central bound near North Point Police Station, is uh, still closed to all traffic and uh, traffic at the Eastern Harbour Crossing. Hong Kong bound is congested. Uh, Motorists are advised to use alternative routes. Sorry, Ada. Ada
1: yeah on on you know on the uh, different zones uh, of this northern metropolis um I'm most interested in innovation and technology of course um so whitman Hong, how how do we um differentiate our roles between Shenzhen uh, just across the border and Hong Kong? we have this i t uh, zone just right there you know at the northern metropolis um you know how how should we complement what is already happening in Shenzhen?
3: Well, uh, they are much moving much faster than we are. Mm. Um, they are uh, every. I was just talking to one of uh, a biotech company the other day, and she was telling me, "Oh, my company is in the loop." I say, "Are you sure?" <laughs> I thought it wasn't developed. Mm. And she was actually on the other side of the river in Futian, and it was not even in the Hong Kong Park. It was in part of their local park. But she, her, her, her she, she was, she was not sure. But you know, um, they were moving fast. Uh, but the thing is, Hong Kong still have its advantages. Um, number one, talent. Okay. Um, obviously, we are short of talents, but we do have some very great talents in terms of AI and biotech, um, the leaders in the world, actually. Um, and then um, in some of the areas, for example, um, in the really pre- precision manufacturing no, we have some long history, and also uh, for those manufacturing that you need parts from, not just in, in terms of logistic supply chain, not from not just from China. Then Hong Kong has its advantage because we are a free port. There's no custom clearance and there's no you know duties. So all in all, uh, with all these things, I think Hong Kong should focus on a few things um, like AI, big data, uh, biotech. Um, a certain kind of precision manufacturing and a little bit of the most advanced semicolon. Okay, And that
1: requires uh, uh, less land? Well, it... Or, or the, I mean, the Science and Technology Park is also uh, quite a big development. I mean, from mm-hmm. the Hong Kong perspective, so <laughs> it, it might small. be small. Yeah. It might be small now, you know, as compared to what will happen.
3: Yeah, it is very small, and it's ninety-two percent full, and they're very, very picky. You know, I had friends who get me rejected, they trying to get in. So uh, we do need more land. But thing is, um, if you look at the plan of the, the, the you know Shenzhen Hong Kong Science and Technology Park, this the whole thing. They're much more land over the the other side. So, and if you plan it right, and I'm actually very glad to see in the policy su- uh, speech that finally they said, okay, for the frequent travellers, you can use facial recognition instead of taking out your ID card. I think that is the most important thing. So people mm-hmm. b- between those two zones across the border uh, can travel freely. Mm-hmm. And same with the equipment and things like that. So I think that we're getting there. Um, it, the challenge would be, though, is that won't be enough working labor, in terms of the technology kind of uh, labor. Um, I mean, we're not we're not making them enough, and we've lo- we have been losing them in the past few years as well. So I think that is something we need to. I, I, you know, one thing, one very minor thing that the policy speech mentioned, not everybody was paying attention, is allowing fee graduates, foreign graduates, to stay and you know look for jobs. I think that's a good start. Mm. Another thing is why don't we actually allow Certain, uh, you know, people who are in the uh, park to actually hire people from the Shenzhen side, you know, cross-border employment. They can travel freely and they can work here and then they go back to their home on the other side. They use their hospitals and schools, but they come to work here. I think that will solve some of our problems because we're really, there's a huge gap. We're talking about tens of thousands of shortage. if, If this thing, you know, you create those jobs, but nobody's feeling it
1: but the policy address also said that uh, 500,000 new jobs will be created. So you anticipate those as construction related jobs or high end jobs?
3: Um I expect I think we I saw some stats I could not remember clearly but uh, probably that only about um 100,000 to 200,000 uh, are technology related jobs. Hmm. The others are not construction jobs but we we're also talking about if you look at the four zones we service also have industries. Exactly. Boundary commerce, okay, service industry, okay, restaurants. I mean there's going to be retail hopefully across on the east side, like close to Law Wu. I mean, that's a good area to do this kind of boundary commerce. I, I, I wrote a research uh, report two years ago on the Shenzhen Hong Kong you know, uh, border economy soon and exactly point out that, you know, we should do those kinds of things instead of just doing technology.
0: Okay, uh, um, we're going to take a break in just a moment. Uh, Andy Kwan, I think you have to uh, leave us uh, shortly. But uh, I mean, yes. to, to you, what, what, what's the biggest sort of uh, impediment? Is it like the shortage of, uh, of skilled staff to work in IT that we have at the moment?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We have certain brain drain problems here. But uh, if we can start like uh, this kind of development in, uh, in the long term, uh, in the longer run, I think we can attract more foreign uh, talents to come to Hong Kong because of our culture, our background—it's an East and West background. So I think that will be the the most attractive point here
0: okay all right well thanks very much for uh, joining us uh, on this morning's program um we'll uh, talk to you again soon hopefully uh so uh listeners um stay with us we're going to take a break just for two or three minutes for a news summary and a few announcements and ben che has the news
4: An environmental researcher says Hong Kong's offshore liquefied natural gas terminal is a quick win for the short term to reduce the city's carbon emissions. The LNG terminal was officially unveiled yesterday. Lawrence Yu from the environmental think tank Civic Exchange conceded that LNG is a fossil fuel but emitted 50% less carbon dioxide than coal. The head of the United Nations Children's Agency, UNICEF, has said that more than 420 children are being killed or injured in Gaza every day as Israel continues its sustained bombardment of the territory. Speaking at an emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council discussed the conflict, Catherine Russell said the figure should shake council members to the core. And customs officers at the airport have seized 3.5 kilograms of suspected cocaine and about 2.5 kilograms of suspected heroin. Officials said the hall, estimated to be worth six million Hong Kong dollars, was discovered in two separate drug trafficking cases on Sunday. We'll have more news for you at ten o'clock.
0: Yeah, sorry, that was Haley Yip.
4: <laughs> red light, don't walk.
0: Red line, don't go.
4: Red flag, don't swim.
0: When a red flag is hoisted
5: at beaches, it can mean rough seas. Bad weather, a red tide, water pollution or other dangers. Please don't swim during these conditions.
4: Wait until the red flag is removed and a red and yellow flag is hoisted. Also, parents must take care of their children at swimming pools and beaches.
5: Learn the beach flag signals. Swim safely.
0: Want to be a perfect employer? You have to pay wages and make MPF contributions on time. Remember to make MPF contributions and submit remittance statements on or before the 10th day of each month. If there are public holidays on or before the 10th of the month, you should arrange your MPF contributions earlier. A 5% surcharge will be imposed for late contributions. Use electronic services to make timely and accurate contributions.
4: You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 23388 266 and have your say.
0: And welcome back to uh, back chat <clears throat> with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould, and we'll resume uh, our conversation on the extensive development plans for the Northern uh, Metropolis, which was a, a big feature in last week's uh, policy address and also a, a news conference uh, yesterday with the Development Secretary Bernadette Lin. Uh, more uh, details emerging. We have uh, with us in the studio uh, Whitman Hung, who's uh, director of the Greater Bay Research, sorry, Greater Bay Area GBA Research Centre at uh, China Silk Road I-Valley Research Institute. And also now joining us uh, on the line, we have uh, Vera Yoon, who's a lecturer in economics at the University of Hong Kong uh, Business School. Um, <coughs> Vera Yoon, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. So, um, as we were saying earlier in the programme, obviously, this is like a major, major project. Uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, well, it's hailed as a new engine of uh, Hong Kong's development uh, going forward. Um, what do you make about uh, what you've heard about about it being divided into, into those uh, four different areas? Um, Um, Also, we should mention as well, uh, talking about uh, the need to attract talent, that there's there's going to be a university town there, there? and and there's talk about uh, international schools as well. So uh, what's your thinking on this now?
6: Well, I believe for this uh, northern metropolis, um, the most important thing is the technological hub that they are going to build, that is to attract and also companies that are pioneering in this field to come to Hong Kong because if without the success of that hub, like the whole project is like residential areas. It's not, nothing more than a new town or a bigger new town because for a metropolis to succeed, it must have job opportunities and then that demand labor and in that case that will attract people from different areas to come mm. and without that engine it's just you know another like or another new town that is of a larger scale
0: it is expected to create uh half a million new jobs
6: yes mm. but um wait to see because um there are some projects like that before in hong kong and then like Science Park and then we also have another one um in near And like the one in near is not really tech technological. So cyber, like, sci- cyber Yes, yes, cyber force, yes. The cyberport did not really attract like tech companies. You know, if you look at this they're not actually tech companies, it's like residential projects. And then for science park, um there was a problem of those companies um eating government subsidies and then I have friends working there before they say that by taking subsidies you already can survive. There's no need to really innovate anything. You know it's it's I mean R and D is a very hard problem because by nature it's like experiments. You cannot guarantee success. And because of that you do not know whether people are really working on it or they are just pretending they're working on it and then try to get subsidies and not producing anything. You know, that is the hard problem of R&D and why it is so hard and why if you can acquire R&D, you can become, like, world power. And I have not seen projects like this succeed in the past in Hong Kong. And then their strategy is, like, if we provide infrastructure, that it would work. But then sometimes it, it must take other things get together I think talent is the most important and then also you need a uh, universities I think the best thing we have is the university because um it's for uh, knowledge transfer you need basic knowledge and then you apply in the industry but then that um, channel of transfer is still yet to be more mature
1: yes um uh, very the um uh, development secretary uh, said that uh Perhaps the um, landowners, the current landowners, are interested to participate so they can keep the land and they can pay the government a premium and they can develop. But I guess she is referring to um, developers who are more interested to build residential units. What, what do you think are the chances of uh, developers uh, you know, being interested to build, let's say, uh, uh, like a science park, focusing on innovation and technology, focusing on biotech?
4: Um
6: i think for private initiatives to fund these kind of interests they have to see uh, the process in it like they have to kind of know that they would get back something from the leasing or the selling of office space uh, of this um, research center so uh, it, it's actually I mean, even nowadays for residential use, uh, they are not that eager to feed the land. And so it really falls on, you know, the confidence or whether they see there's they real prosper into doing so. Um, I think nowadays the cost should be much lower, which means they will take lower risk. But then it's like whether there's still enough profit for them to maintain certain um, profit margin, That's another question. Hmm.
0: Um, just going back to that uh, uh, university town concept, uh, Whitman Hong, how important is that? It uh,
3: is important, yeah, yeah. Um, not just for new universities, which is important, but also our current university, they are running out of land. They don't have enough space for R&D. Um, and also, if you look at, we just, uh, the government just uh, uh, raised the percentage of, of non local students to 40%. Mm. Uh, on one side, we, we welcome that because that will attract a lot more talent. But on the other side, what that means is there's less chance for the local students to get into university. So we really need to build a bit more, I think, um, private universities, in fact. Uh, but one thing I do back to disagree with Vera is the cyber port is a technology park. It may not be doing the semicons and the biotech, okay. But it's actually doing a lot of software in fintech. You know, I, I'm a director of a company and I own another company was uh, in Cyberport. So I can honestly tell you that they are there. I mean, today I came to this uh, this program, so I missed the opening of the Cyberport Venture Capital Forum this oh, morning. Well, so thank, a lot you, of easy thank you for stuff. joining the program. So. Um, really, if you look at it uh, and also recently there's a lot of uh, these web free companies have moved into cyberpol about one hundred and fifty of them. If you look at the employment science park, I just look at the stats they now employ eighteen thousand people so if you you have a ten times the space it 's easily you can get to two hundred thousand people so uh, and also if you look at this uh, the, for ada 's question. Um, the developers um, i don 't know about local ones, but if you look at some of the mainland developers, what they do is they build a park and a residential next to them. If the park is successful, they will have higher grade people who come who give better rent or even buy those lands it's, and vice versa as well. so people who move in because they want to work in a park so that i think' yes,
1: uh, with I know, I know that, and uh, i 've been to some of those, but um, do you think in Hong Kong we our land use is a little bit uh, less flexible? Yes. How uh, we say yes. as compared to the mainland? Uh, do you think it's possible for, for us actually to have this uh, biotech park, um, AI and etc. And you know right uh, next it to
3: sh- it should be. I mean in the, the science park, Hong Kong they have built this little hostel thing, but it only hosted like it was nice, but it only hosts like what I don't know less than hundred people, and it was good for visitors. Okay, but if you, you really have a large park. You know, in in, in China, there's always this thing called uh, the hostels. They they call it uh, talent hostels, or, uh, and it, it is important, especially for for example, people who move in from America or other places. When they come in, they want to work. They want, they don't want to spend time looking around yes. for flats. And, well, basically, and, there's and small
1: studio apartments, exactly. uh, and with uh, nice restaurants and um, you know, nice catering. And yeah, yeah,
3: and
0: that's very attractive to you know people like me, you know, technology guys. Mm. Mm-hmm. In terms of attracting talent, yeah, I wanted to ask you also about uh, one of the other measures in the policy address, and that was uh, 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 cutting in half the uh, stamp duty payable, on, uh, particularly the, the buyer's stamp duty for, for non-local residents uh, purchasing property. Is that going to make a, a big difference in uh, attracting talents uh, um, from, the ma- from mainland and uh, elsewhere to, to come here? Uh, for mainland, maybe, yes,
3: but it's not going to be a huge difference. I think uh, the jobs will be what's well, attracting them. Okay, but what we should do is we shouldn't discriminate them. Which is why I think the new policy of charging it at the end instead of the beginning I think is a good thing because if these people come to Hong Kong, they bought a flat, they stay here, and after seven years they became a permanent resident. We shouldn't discriminate them, you know, from the, the other uh, permanent residents, mm. and they become part of Hong Kong. Mm.
0: Sure,
1: sure. Right on on the speed of doing all this, uh, Whitman. Uh Bernadette Lin said, um, "You know, uh, flats will be built by 2032, etc. But um, in the next 10 years, uh, what can happen there? How can this, um, uh, the innovation and technology side, the boundary commerce and uh, logistics, and can that be um, up and coming um, uh, in a quicker way?"
3: Uh, yes and no. I mean, if you do everything by the government, built by them, <laughs> ran out by them, it may take long. And also, uh, the way we do development in Hong Kong, I think really need to be revisited. But um, in terms of, you know, some of these things are easier. The, the boundary commerce is easy. Okay, logistic also is relatively easier. Okay, technology is a bit longer. And also, I think what is missing, but uh, actually they're doing it, is also the uh, modern service industry on the Hong Kong Kew. Which is you know um catering those uh shanghai and those, so I am skeptical on the promised the timeline, okay it's not unachievable, but judging from the way we do things i mean the first the first building in the loop has not been built yet, okay uh, they promised us now by end of two thousand twenty four it was before it was two thousand twenty three and then it was early 2024. <laughs> so let's see. Mm. But, but
1: now we're asking investors and developers to take part.
3: Yes, that will significantly change the, the, the timeline because those people, if they're involved, it's their own money. So they, they, the, the earlier they finish, the earlier they can start making money.
0: Mm. What do you think, uh, Vera Yoon? Uh, lo- lo- lots of targets involved uh, in this uh, development and, and timelines. Are they all achievable?
6: Um, it's a pretty long-term project. I think it would take like 20 years and then we know that everything in Hong Kong delay, like including railway system, all the deployment projects. So I would give it a buffer um, regarding the timeline and also I don't know whether there would be um, enough demand. And if there's not enough demand, they would kind of give it up in the middle.
0: Uh, sorry, enough, enough demand from where?
6: I mean, demand from office uh, office space. That there are people who come in. If they couldn't find company who come in, then like they couldn't, but they wouldn't complete it. And then um, also for um, residential units, also. I mean, they would do it like five phases. It's a big project, obviously. But then if they find that, you know, in the long run, people are not coming to Hong Kong. They want to make Hong Kong a uh, 10 million people city. But if people are not coming in, like then you have buildings that nobody lives in, and then they would kind of get that up. Mm-hmm.
1: But we still have talents, and we might have more talents for, from cross-border. Um, you don't think that will work?
6: I, mean, I don't know, because... Uh, the competition for talent is very intense. Basically I know some people who come to Hong Kong and then they just move away and then they come back and it depends on the opportunity. They're the most mobile people and talent in the world that they can choose the best company to work in. They can work in Silicon Valley, they can work in Shenzhen, they can work in Beijing, they can work in Singapore. And obviously they are like waiting for employment contract in different places to see which one gives them better offers. And also better prospects.
0: So
6: you need to build a cluster in Hong Kong in mm -hmm. order to, you know, attract enough good talent so that it become a place that they want to, like, hang around and stay for job development.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking that the future work will be very different from what we see now. You know, there'll be all types of different work that will that have not surfaced yet. Um, so um, when we look at e-commerce, uh, boundary commerce, and logistics, um, that might need a lot of land. But in the future, uh, some of the jobs might might just be available when you just sit at home. Um, how, what, what what do you think should be the priority? You know, what should be built first? Because we're talking about thirty thousand hectares. So surely not residential, perhaps, um, you know, more um, innovation and technology facilities? Vera Yoon?
6: Um It depends on what kind of uh, technology they're pursuing. If they're doing biotech, then they have to do labs. If they are doing um, high-tech manufacturing, obviously they need factory floors and then to, to you know, house the robots and stuff. And then, so we need if we're talking about this, we need a clear technology policy because like different countries, they have different focus, like uh, Singapore, they focus on AI and robotics. And they give a lot of funding if you're working on this. UK is really good at biotech, like different places. They have the focus. And then I don't know Hong Kong, if they're doing semiconductor or something. I'm not quite sure. So I think rather than doing everything, you have to find your niche and then try to develop it and then like do uh, the corresponding facilities and, and policies to help. And then I think we need to see this to know what kind of things are to be viewed. And then for housing, I think it, it depends on what kind of housing. For so public housing, because it's the low market price, there's always people who queue in and always have people who say they're not enough um like for, for the lower class and then for private housing uh I, i'm not quite sure but it's still quite expensive okay. so i uh, i question about why do we need that much uh you know houses for them because nowadays people work at home and then there's ai and the person doesn't have to even be in hong kong in order to work in a hong kong company okay. all right um,
0: so, so uh sorry uh Vera we we'll I have to uh, interrupt you there because we're running out of time for this uh, part of the program. Uh, I, I just, just very briefly, just wanted to ask uh, Whitman Hung there. I, I'm bearing in mind what Vera Yoon was saying. Uh, are you confident there will, will be enough demand and yeah, enough definitely. talent to proceed with this in, in a full scale?
3: Well, the new, uh, the new scheme, we already have tracked uh, 160,000 applicants, approved 10, 000, uh, approved 100,000 and about 60,000 already here. So yes, we are attractive. Um, you know. Even comparing... I have friends who have went to Singapore during the COVID and they are moving back mm-hmm. because of the lifestyle, nothing else. And also it's because Singapore is becoming more expensive these days. Mm-hmm. So really, let's uh, face it. Hong Kong still has its, you know, attraction to a lot of talents in mainland China, Asia and elsewhere. But we need to make it easier for them. And one thing that is really killing us is the land price. I mean, flat prices. So if we can have more... Supply that will help fully solve that problem. Okay,
0: great. All right. Thank you very much for joining us uh, on the programme this morning. Uh, Whitman Hung there, Director of the Greater Bay Area Research Centre at the China Silk Road Eye Valley Research Institute. Thanks very much to Vera Yoon, Lecturer in Economics at Hong Kong U Business School. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong.
1: I'm
6: Christine Choi, the Secretary for Education. Congratulations on the 95th anniversary of RTHK and many wishes for its future success.
5: 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong.
0: And for the final uh, 10 minutes of this morning's programme, we're turning our attention to another topic, and that is... An upcoming uh, round the island, that's round Hong Kong Island, uh, swimming marathon. Uh, this is uh, being organised by the NGO Splash, uh, which teaches uh, young uh, local people, uh, often from underprivileged backgrounds, uh, how to swim, and uh, also works um, a lot with uh, domestic helpers, teaching uh, domestic helpers how to swim as well. Uh, to hear more about this, uh, uh, we're now joined on the line by um, Roy Pang, who is chairperson of uh, Splash Foundation. Roy Pang, good morning to you. Good
5: morning, Jim. Thanks. Uh, glad to be
0: here. Yeah, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, uh, perhaps uh, you could just, uh, first of all, just give us uh, fill us in a little bit about the background of your organisation. Sure, of
5: course. Thank you. So um, Splash Foundation was set up in um, late 2014 uh, by our co-founders uh, Simon Holiday and Libby Alexander, and I think to frame the problem, it was very much um, because you know I think Hong Kong has about half its population that doesn't know how to swim. Mm. Um, you know Simon himself was a late learner in life, and I think you know he really wanted to tackle you know this issue um, if generally you don't learn how to swim by eight years old and Hong Kong doesn't have a mandatory swimming program. If you don't learn by age eight, you have a 90% chance of not learning ever. Um, and so, you know, the big irony is, of course, our city has one of the longest coastlines of any global city. Yeah. And we also have some of some of the largest number of pools per capita in the world. So, you know, I think Splash was really sort of created to, to fill the void um, and really sort of focus on... Water safety, first and foremost, you know, how to save yourself in the water, mm. uh, how to be confident in the water before you even start to learn. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's quite an extraordinary uh, statistic, isn't it? I and mean, about 50% of uh, of uh, people here uh, don't know how to swim. Is that because, uh, there, you know, there are no compulsory programmes? Like you say, a lot of schools don't have swimming pools where, where kids can learn?
5: I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, firstly, there's no compulsory programme, and, and I think, secondly, you know... Um, I think for a lot of parents, um, <clears throat> because they, they themselves do not know, I, do, I just think that there's very little awareness of what you know programs are out there to teach their kids. And you know, I think as parents, we all sort of grow up in quite a stressful academic you know environment, and sometimes swimming is not front of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned the domestic worker population. Um, you know, Philippines is obviously you know Indonesia surrounded by water. Um, again, you know, I think those parents that have, you know, very few resources to teach their children. And I think what they do is they scare the kids. They basically say, do not go to the water. You will drown, um, to protect them. Um, and so a lot of, uh, more than 70% of our migrant domestic, you know, worker population here do not know how to swim. And a lot of them have an incredible amount of fear of the water, um, because of what they've been told since a young age.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but before we talk about the swimming race, which is actually, I think, very creative, um, how how do you teach um, these uh, kids? Uh, I suppose they are from um, you know more um, you know lower middle income families, and also um, you know uh, domestic helpers. Uh, how do you teach them, and and you know what are the difficulties? Because there aren't that many public swimming pools in Hong Kong.
5: Yes, thank you for the question. Um, it, Splash has a t- sort of twenty-hour program. Um, the beginner course is twelve hours, and um, it was designed by you know, Anne Marie Monk, who, who was an ex Olympian in Hong Kong. And going back to the point, you know, all our all our splashes are learners who come to us. They come to us with a tremendous amount of fear um, and trepidation at the start, uh, because you know, generally, you know, they're either adults or, or, or children above eight years old um, who've never sort of really you know had any experience in the water. So I think. The first couple of hours of this course is not about swimming; it's really all about water competence, water safety, and how to save yourself. So we teach that, you know, life skill first and foremost. Um, on your on your second point on uh, public pools, you know, absolutely that is a challenge, you know, for Splash and and a lot of learn to swim programs. Um, a lot of public swimming pools, you know, reserve their pool space, you know, quite exclusively for, you know, obviously quite. Um, quite elite-focused swimming clubs, and so sometimes, you know, I think that's where, you know, that's why I decided to help out Splash a little bit, which was, you know, to find more sort of local pools um, and pool spaces for them. Um, And so, you know, we're always on the lookout for, you know, good local partners. Um, We had some success, you know, last year with um, the WF Joseph Lee Primary School in Teensui Wai. Um, They had never rented out their pool space commercially. Uh, because they wanted an NGO like Splash that could really serve the local population.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, and then uh, looking forward to this weekend, because the Round Island race uh, takes place starting in the early hours of Saturday, isn't it? And uh, Indeed. Uh, yeah.
1: So where are they going to swim? So um, we're going to start at
5: Sandy Bay Swimming Shed um, outside Pogfulam. Yeah. And uh, we start at around 3.30 in the morning on Saturday. Oh. And we do one entire um circumnavigation of Hong Kong Island. So we we finished back at uh, Sandy Bay. So we have five teams of uh, six swimmers each. Um, everyone does half an hour and then you you know you everyone does a half an hour and then you cycle again. And so, you know, we have um we have thirty swimmers from all the, all different backgrounds. We have uh you know our homegrown Hong Kong Olympians, so Camille Chang and, and Toto Wong. Uh, we have Jasmine Al from the Philippines who is the two hundred meter freestyle uh, record holder, um, but we also have, you know, just a lot of amateurs who 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 love to swim and really, you know, want to promote, you know, promote Splash and promote this mission of sort of trying to ensure that everyone can swim. Mm.
0: And you're going to be uh, part of one of the teams yourself, uh, Roy, right?
5: Um, unfortunately, as the chair of Splash this year, I have no choice. It's, oh, it's one right. of the scariest things I've ever done. But right. um, you know, one of the one of the joys I have um, is I, I often go to our slash programs at the start and at the end. Mm. Um, and like I mentioned at the start, I mean, I think a lot of our, our, our kids, um, a lot of, you know, our helpers, I mean, they come to the pools with a lot of fear. But, you know, together as a group, they do overcome it. And I think at the end of our programs, you know, when they do their assessments and, and when they finish, they really gain so much confidence um, and mm. so much sort of um, community happiness mm. Because they've got a wonderful group, you know, supporting each other. Um, so I think this is very a very similar experience for me. You know, I I swam as a kid, um, stopped for a long time, but you know, obviously in the last couple of months, together with my sort of other twenty nine uh, comrades in arm, we've been training quite hard for this. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be an amazing experience. And I think for you know, for Hong Kong itself, you know, I think right. um, you know, how I how long
1: like, is the race yeah. in total?
5: You expect it's, 40, it's 45 kilometers yes. around Hong Kong Island. We expect to finish between 10 to 14 hours, uh, depending on the tides. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That's long. <laughs> That's quite long, right? Mm-hmm.
5: That, is, that, is, that is. And, and was amazing. it
1: difficult to get all the permits and get all the government approvals?
5: Um, we we uh, work with an organization called Hong Kong 360. So Shu Pu, who was you know very involved in splashing the opening sort of um, stages. Uh, she, she sort of, you know, liaises with all the, you know, regulatory authorities to get the permits. Uh, but generally the Hong Kong government is, is, is very supportive of, you know, events like this. And I, you know, I think it splashes hope that we continue to make this an annual event and, and get more and more people, you know, to really fall in love with. The amazing thing we have, which is, you know, Hong Kong is an amazing place
0: to swim. Yeah. Yeah. F- fantastic beaches, wonderful uh, recreational resources. So it'd be great if uh, uh, more young people, more domestic helpers uh, are able to make the most of them. Right.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one of the things I'm super proud about is, you know, I think Splash is for everyone. Yeah. During Covid, you know, when the pools were all shot, we, we made a series of um, learn to swim videos. Yeah. which are on YouTube and it's and the best thing is it's you know it's free and, you know we've had millions of right. views from people all around the world so
0: okay right you know, okay. I think yeah. we want everyone to do it wonderful yeah sorry I had to stop you there because uh, we're almost out of time but uh, best of luck for Saturday um, hope all goes well uh, wonderful initiative thank you and thank you Jim. thank you Ada thanks to our listeners yes and thank you to Ada and stay with us because we have a new summary coming up followed by brunch with Noreen